This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. DCX10, subsequently renamed EC10, was launched on 15th September 2018. It's a crypto basket comprising the top 10 cryptocurrencies by market capitalization, but does not include stable coins, which are crypto replicas of currencies like the US dollar and the RAND. There's a good investment case to be made for crypto baskets or bundles or indexes as they are sometimes called. Just like a unit trust, your investment is spread across the best cryptos as measured by market cap. So you get an element of diversification, albeit wrapped up in cryptos. EC10 was launched after backtesting index rules from the 1st of January 2016, and it showed an incredible 4,200% growth margin. And that was against 1,700% growth for Bitcoin. That demonstrates the helium-powered lift of smaller cryptocurrencies like Binance Coin and Cardano, which have been on an absolute tear over the last six months. To discuss this and all things crypto-related, we're joined by Earl Loxton, founder and CEO of EC10. Welcome, Earl. You put out a statement yesterday addressing a lot of issues around EC10, including fees, and you disclosed assets under management, which I thought was rather transparent. You've got more than $27 million under management, which is just a shade under 400 million rand. Now, that's uh, not bad going for a company that's just three years old, and it seems you broke the 100 million rand mark of assets under management just a short while ago. How long did it take you to get traction in the market? Was it a slow beginning, and you saw a pickup last year? Hi, Kieran. Uh, nice to be on the show again. Yeah, you got to understand the time that we uh, launched the business back in 2018. It, it was just after that tremendous, to use that horrible word, uh, rally we had in 2017. And um, after that, it crashed spectacularly in January 2018. When we launched uh, DCX, as it was called originally, well, the instrument was called DCX10. It was in this uh, wake of this beautiful rally and we went into this valley of desolation and um, we really really struggled to build assets under management you know so it was a real real slow start and only in 2020 we reached that 100 million which we set ourselves a target you know eventually we got to that but it, it was a real slow start absolutely Okay, talk about fees. You've just upped your management fees from 1% to 2%. That's your annual management fees. Uh, in your statement that you issued yesterday, you say this aligns with international index providers such as Grayscale and Bitsy 10. Now, you got some flack for that on social media, but in your statement this week, you do say you expect this fee, to be, this fee increase to be a temporary thing. Explain why you decided to raise the fees and why the increase will be short-lived. You know, it's always tough to talk about fees. You know, we're a business and we have to survive. We're not one of those um, internationally funded startups with millions and millions of dollars to, to work with. So this was essentially started with, with a little bit of capital of, you know, between Michael Jordan and myself. At some point, normally, you know, two, three years into the business, you need to get to a point where you can actually start making a modest profit. And um, at 1%, to be absolutely honest with you, you know, we were never going to make a profit at 1% growing at that rate. So we made the difficult decision last year and we said, look, let's have a look at these international 
index operators uh, and mostly in the US. Now, fair enough, these are much, much bigger operations than ours. The average rate we've picked up from them in terms of management fee was 2%. At that point, we had about, through our partners, Easy Equities and our own direct clients, we had about 20,000 clients. And we announced it. You know, we knew we were pushing the envelope, but um, we felt we had to. We did. And really, we wasn't a lot of pushback. You know, when your product is eventually doing, you know, 500% per annum, people are more forgiving to pay a 2% fee. That doesn't give us the right because we're doing well to charge 2%. But, you know, this is a product that the market has to decide. Is it worth the 2%? You know, is the compilation or the composition of the index such that um, that it makes sense and it gives the yield that, that goes with a high fee like 2%? We're not arguing that it's because of super high costs. Yes, of course, there are costs. And we can talk about costs. You know, it took us most of three years to build this with a big IT team that we, again, you know, had to pay with hard-earned money. These things are very expensive to put together. Basically, had to, at some point, start making an income, charge a revenue, test the market, see if the market will accept it. And so far, so good. All right. And did you survey the market beforehand? Did you put out an announcement and did you get the flack and say, well, okay, you know, 97% are happy with it, 3% are not. I think this is a go. Is that how it went? Not really. We announced it. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I suppose we could have done it differently, but we announced it in November to all our clients, and we we used Twitter with all its aches and pains. Um, does have quite a wide reach, and it certainly reached probably ninety percent plus of our um, clients at that stage. And you know, we we gauged it on them, but we did. You know, it was more of announcing the new fee, and and then basically seeing how that goes. The recent pushback on social media almost uh, makes it out as if this was implemented unannounced when it was really done in November 2020. And uh, again, you know, we we tested, um, we monitored our market after we'd implemented it and announced it, and um, there wasn't a pushback. So assumption was that, you know, we we didn't do too bad a job to have received the the acceptance of our clients in, in, in that way. So, you know, it was good enough for us. All right. So, I mean, some pushback on social media. And I, th- I think one of the things that people are trying to do is they, they're transposing the the equity investment model and the fee structure around that to the crypto space. And as you mentioned, I think don't think a lot of people would pay attention to a, a 1% increase in fees. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious in saying that. As you say, when you've made 500% a year, you know, it gives you some slack. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's what we're saying, Kieran. We also intimated that assets under management's grown. And as you say, we're sitting close to 400 million at the moment. We have reached a critical mass where we, we certainly will be looking at reducing those fees, especially when we, as we move towards a more regulated product. Let's talk about ETFs. This is something that we, we really, really serious about. Um, this is definitely something that South Africa needs. Uh, in terms of a regulated product with everything that goes with that. You know, the JSE has got a a strong independent um, uh, regulatory body that looks after 
ETF applications. And, you know, there's a, there's a very strong filter there to assure the quality and the compliance and the legitimacy of the products that, that make it to the JSE. So we are very much looking forward to that sort of environment in South Africa. And, and, and we're confident that this is coming. We have no doubt that South Africa will see its uh, first ETF. Um, the moment that um, the JSE has the comfort that this industry of ours is maturing, um, you know, custody solutions are being implemented and, you know, worldwide, the resistance to ETFs are, are disappearing as, you know, the fears are disappearing, the fears of market manipulation, um, you know, that they're onboarding off the money laundering, the general plumbing around the, the crypto markets is, you know, improving all the time. I think as the international appreciation or the adoption of institutional crypto um, happens, I think this is when South Africa will, will step in and our JSE and our regulators. I think these things are coming together this year. Right. Just to explain, for people who don't know, an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. So essentially what you're doing is you're buying Bitcoin, but not directly. You're actually buying shares in a company which is traded on a stock exchange. And that company owns Bitcoin, right? So it's an indirect way. And if you look at Grayscale, is Grayscale an ETF? I think they call themselves something different. It's like a, a common stock company. Uh, Grayscale is a, is a trust. And effectively, you own, you, you're, you're able to buy shares in the Grayscale. They have several trusts and they are made up of different cryptos. So you, for instance, you have a Bitcoin, you have a, um, Ethereum, and then they have some index type um, instruments as well. But the vehicle they're using at the moment is a, uh, a trust. Uh, I think they call it a trust company. Okay, so I mean, the advantage of an ETF for South Africans, of course, institutions are looking at crypto and these incredible returns that you're able to get, but their mandates prevent them from doing it. They may not invest in this particular asset class. However, they can invest in shares on on a stock exchange, even if that company that they're investing in is invested entirely in Bitcoin or cryptos, right? So that means that you'd have a, a few regulatory hurdles that you'd have to clear. You'd have to get through the JC listing requirements. You'd have to have governance structures in place. You'd have to prove that your custody of these cryptos is well in hand, all the rest of it. Have you made application to the JSC yet? Have you started discussions and how have those discussions been going? The DCX Capital, the startup, the, the machine, the, the, the back end of the EC10 index has a very, very strong partner in Easy Equities. Now, these guys have been around the block and they've built a beautiful, beautiful business and a, a, a huge, huge following and a clientele. This is the domain of, of Easy Equities, this listed environment and the ETF environment. So through our partner, Easy Equities, we will be lodging our application, we'll be throwing our name in the hat to become the first South African ETF listed on a on a regulated exchange in South Africa. So those plans are definitely afoot. Um, we have not submitted uh, an application. We're very hard at work and, and, and putting all the, getting all our ducks in a row first and foremost. And I think that is the one that, that companies will be struggling with a little bit. But uh, I think we're winning there is, is putting the custodian in place. So custodian... As you may know, um, these crypto assets need to be kept in a safe place. Now, safe place, uh, deep storage, cold storage, off the internet, that sort of thing, um, 
you know, we, we make use of hardware wallets, uh, web wallets, off internet, deep, that sort of cold storage off the internet. But, you know, to take it a level up, to get to the level where um, we would be compliant to, let's say, a listed, the requirements of a listed instrument, we definitely, there's no doubt uh, that we need the services of a dedicated, regulated, uh, registered custodian. And, you know, by the time that this um, podcast goes out, that will have been put in place already. This means that our partners, Easy Equities, through the custodian services that they employ in their much, much larger business than the DCX EC10 business, will become those custodians, or let's say the custodian will live in that environment, and all of the assets that DCX EC10 administrates will, will, or administers will go to over the fence, will be on the other side of the fence being kept safe by, uh, by the custodian, by the nominee company that is within the uh, first world trader environment. So we, we are very excited about that. You know, it takes a big burden off DCX as well. You know, we've been doing a pretty good job. We haven't lost anything, any assets, or none of our clients have ever lost money or funds or crypto. It's exciting to look forward to a, a future where where this becomes a little bit more regulated, a little bit more transparent. And, um, you know, it's important for our, our clients and the clients of our clients. So, you know, we, we're doing a lot of business with um, Capitec. And, you know, guys like Capitec really need these assurances. And, and um, this makes us happy to be able to give them these assurances, you know, that their counterparty risk is limited to, let's say, maybe some of the, the cryptos that need to be kept on a, an exchange. You know, when you run a crypto index fund, you need to deploy these cryptos, your Bitcoin, into these various cryptos that make up your top 10. So at any given moment, you need to keep quite a bit of crypto on an exchange to be liquid and ready to be deployed as and when those um, transactions take place on your platform. So unlike a lot of these, um, we are a 24-7 tradable instrument. We do not have to trade along JC uh, office hours. So that means that we'll execute a, a transaction in the middle of the night on, on a weekend. And um, when that happens, we need to have the, the crypto on an exchange ready to be deployed into the 10 that make up the, the EC10. Mm. So we, you know, at that point, this is not the moment that you draw from your deep storage. So it's a very small percentage of our AOM is always exposed. And when I say exposed, let's call it then exposed to third party risks. So some of our cryptos might be on Luna, some of it might be on Valor, some Binance, Bitfinex, and you know, it depends on where at that moment uh, prices are, are favorable. All right, so you talked about a, uh, a custody partner. Does that come with insurance? I mean, that you would now be able to offer some kind of insurance protection for your clients? Absolutely. So part of this, the, the whole custody solution is, uh, is a local South African-based registered custodian, nominee company. And as I mentioned, this is within the Purple Group, Easy Equities um, group of companies. But part of that um, solution is an international partner as well. So I won't mention the name just yet because it's it's not in place yet. It's just being contracted and that and being inked. But um, 
these custodians, these international custodians come with uh, insurance. And the one that we are contracted with now offers 100 million insurance as a start. $100 million, which is obviously more than the AEM of the fund at the moment. And as, as the fund then obviously grows, we will increase that insurance and you know, work around that, um, that limitation if it becomes a limitation. Now, you've done quite a bit of number crunching at EC10. And what's interesting is when you start to look at Bitcoin over a four-year cycle. And why four years? Because that's when the halving cycle happens. In other words, the rate at which Bitcoin is minted is halved every four years. And that does have a, a very strong impact on the price of Bitcoin itself. And that's been shown up in numerous studies. Explain some of the methodology behind the construction of the EC10 index. So you've got the top 10 cryptos by market cap. So your Bitcoin is the equivalent to its market cap, which is what at the moment, between 70 and 80%, and Ethereum would be probably about 12%, something like that? That's about right. Yeah, it's a little bit lower. So in the in the EC10 index, uh, Bitcoin is just under 70% at the moment. Ethereum is just over 15%. But yeah, along those lines. Okay. All right. Now that differs from Revix, which has a, a top 10 bundle, which they, they call it the top 10 bundle. But in that particular setup, they, no coin has more than a 10% weighting in the index. And you can get different outcomes. Just explain some of the, the methodology that you went through when you were deciding how exactly you were going to construct this EC10 index. And I mean, the, the mm. results from it are quite stunning uh, over a four-year period, as you've already mentioned. Yeah. When we looked at the market, we tested and applied a very simple policy of market cap weighted, free-floating with no cap, no internal rule in terms of cap on those uh, individual coins in that EC10 in the in this top ten index. So the result we got from that, um, as you mentioned earlier, was you know at the time that we set it up, we the return on that particular um, strategy was four thousand two hundred percent. That was measured from the first of Jan twenty sixteen. Comparing that to Bitcoin running around 1,700% for the same period, we decided to keep it simple and go with that strategy. At that point, we did look at uh, capped balance, capped indexes. Um, of course, those have a, a slight cost layer because they constantly need to be balanced, um, but which adds a, a complication, but it's, you know, it doesn't kill it. Um, you know, the guys at Rebix are doing a great job. I think they might, in fact, be a little bit beating us on some of the uh, periods. But um, we observed this um, this four-year cycle, this uh, cyclical pattern in the price movement of Bitcoin. It correlated more or less with the halving events, which is exactly four years apart. And this, for those, those who don't know about the halving event, this is effectively where the rate at which Bitcoin is released by means of mining into the ecosystem is halved. So that rate back then started at 50 Bitcoins, mined every each 10-minute block. And then every four years, it halved down to 25 per block. Four years later, 12 and a half. And we're currently sitting at six and a quarter Bitcoin mined in every 10-minute block. Now, each of those halving events create this supply shock, this reminder that 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 Bitcoin is a finite amount. There's only a finite amount of Bitcoin that will ever be in existence, which is 21 million. And that the effect of that seems to be that a few months later there's there's a revival, there's a rally that, that kicks off. And 
it's becoming more and more, you know, each client has to decide whether it holds water for them. But our position is that there's certainly a discernible pattern here in a great part caused by these halving events. Hence the four-year cyclical nature and hence the reference to four years every time, you know, whenever we uh, look at the performance of crypto and Bitcoin in general, we refer to a four-year cycle, which is the same reason why we also advise our clients to not invest or not have a shorter horizon than four years. You know, Give crypto a full four-year cycle to go through its full motion. And it's spectacular to see what our product and other products at Bitcoin and some of the coins that do even better than Bitcoin, but you know, encompassed in index, it's incredible what happens in that four-year cycle. So when you measure, for instance, from a, a date, so we argue the current cycle that we're in, when measured from just after the 2017 rally high, let's say Jan, Feb 2018, what we observe is that the index outperforms Bitcoin in the latter part of the four-year cycle. So the cycle that we're currently in, argument is that we are now in the latter part of the current four-year cycle, and the returns are confirming it. So again, this is not the gospel, but we are saying that it's a greater than, you know, it's, it's not just a, a coincidence. This is not just spurious. And we are now, we are seeing it in the last, um, you know, 30 day, three months, six months and one year period where the index, where EC10 outperforms Bitcoin. When exactly was the last halving event? Was it middle of last year? It was May 2020. Yeah. May, yeah. So it was May last year. Okay. And so therefore the previous one would have been 2016. Okay. So we are now heading into, let's say, the last third of the, of the current four year cycle. Based on that halving, uh, you know, hypothesis that you just put out there. Yeah, you know, this is a supply side argument. So of course, it doesn't take demand into account, and and um, it is certainly not a perfect model. You know, so again, listeners would have to do their own research and decide, you know, how much credence they they want to give to this argument of the effect of the halving. You know, our position is that you know this this is what we observed this was one of the reasons we started the business was um, to capitalize on on this cyclical nature and especially the latter part of the cyclical nature where bitcoin falls slightly out of dominance it's the dominance drops and and you see the um, so-called altcoins uh, outperform bitcoin now of course, it's tough to say which of the altcoins it will be. It, you know, it, often in the last one, it was definitely Ethereum. But we have so many challenges in this current cycle that it could be it could be any of the contenders. You know, that that really bring the growth. Um, and um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very exciting time that we that we in right now at this part of the cycle. Yeah, I mean, when you you hear about Bitcoin doing 1,700% over a four-year cycle and your overall portfolio doing 4,200%, and of course, what accounts for that difference is these altcoins, and altcoin being any coin that is not Bitcoin. And I see that you've got uh, this coin, Theta, that's just, I think, made it onto your index. I mean, Theta's up 11,000% in one year. Uh, Ethereum is yeah. up over a thousand percent. Cardano is up two thousand six hundred percent over a year. Yeah. I mean, people are you know scratching their heads at this this kind of uh, outperformance, and you know where what is driving this and where does it come from? 
Um, and of course, each of them do have different stories and they do have different business cases behind them. Absolutely. But, but I think what this is explaining, the, the only real simple way to explain this to people is that this is the emergence of a whole new type of business, a whole new crypto asset class, and you're at the beginning of something here. The adoption rate is growing at a phenomenal rate, and that explains these Absolutely. price movements, right? Absolutely. Look, what drives price in the altcoins is um, perception of utility. So, you know, the coin that, that shows a use, whether that use is right now or in the future, is the one that attracts the demand. And, you know, the demand, we know what demand and limited supply does. So it's exactly that. You know, if, if that coin fulfills a need, and whether that is programmable money or low-cost transfer of, of, you know, medium of exchange, smart contract, base layer, Ethereum challenge, if the market agrees that there is use in it and a demand for that service and use of that coin, when the price starts reflecting it. Just give yeah, us your wrap-up comment. Yeah. This is where we are in the in the current cycle. Our listeners need to decide um, what percentage of the um, investment portfolio they want to expose to crypto. Um, there are a couple of ways to do to do crypto and, and, and one of them is an index, a diversified um, product like EC10, where not Diversification doesn't necessarily reduce risk, but it opens the product up to better growth that we we know will, if history repeats itself, will come from the non-Bitcoin. Earl Loxton, founder and CEO of EC10. We're going to leave it at that, and we look forward to catching up with you in the very near future to see how your plans go for the establishment of South Africa's very first exchange-traded fund. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.